praise God. Well, I checked my, the batteries on my computer. I've only got seven hours and 23 minutes left. <laughs> so I'm going to hurry. <laughs> if you have a Bible, Psalm 100. Laughing at your own mistakes lengthens your life. Laughing at your wife's mistakes shortens it. (laughs) Behind every man who thinks he wears the pants in the family is a wife who told him which pants to wear. (laughs) I was lonely until I glued a, a coffee cup to the top of my car. Now everyone waves at me. (laughs) Childhood injuries. Fell off my bike. Fell out of a tree. Twisted my ankle. Adult injuries. I slept wrong. Sat down too long. Sneezed too hard. All right, Psalm 100 will be our text today. How many of you are looking forward to Thanksgiving? El día de acción de gracias. Did I say that right? Thanksgiving. Now, this is not a rhetorical question, so this means you can respond. What do you like about Thanksgiving? Family, yes. Breaking bread. Pumpkin Pumpkin pie. Say that again. Yes, yes. So so let me, I just asked you what you look forward to in Thanksgiving. Let me phrase that differently. How many of you are looking forward to giving thanks? To, To being thankful. It's not just about a particular holiday, we know, but it's actually a way of living. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. I I, I believe it's so easy for every one of us to take for granted the things that we have, to take for granted the blessings uh, that God pours into our lives, And especially if you live in this country, we have so much to be grateful for, so much to rejoice about. You know, I I have to say that I, I struggle with the attitude of entitlement that I see sometimes, especially among young people, but it's not only among young people, but it's people that maybe don't understand the price that was paid for the freedoms that we enjoy. In some ways, the opposite of gratitude is entitlement. Now, I I guess in reality, the opposite of gratitude would be ingratitude, but there are a lot of similarities between entitlement and ingratitude. I have a couple quotes that I I pulled off the internet that I just uh, want us to look at and read real quickly. The first one says, a sense of entitlement is a cancerous thought process that is void of gratitude and can be deadly to our relationships. The second one is, entitlement is a delusion built on self-centeredness and laziness. The third one is, (laughs) gratitude begins where the sense of entitlement ends. I've seen so many people over the last few years displaying, I don't know what else to call it, but entitlement issues. And and, and it's like people wanting their fair share of everything around them. We, We live in such an opulent culture. Opulence is paraded around us all the time in in TV commercials, advertisements, wealth, riches, affluence, abundance. I I remember hearing the story of a wealthy Texan who was in the habit of, of giving his father unique 
gifts every Father's Day. One year it was hand gliding lessons. The year before it was the entire record collection of a famous artist autographed by the singer himself. But the past year he he had outdone himself. He purchased a rare kind of South American bird. This bird could speak several different languages and it was supposed to be able to sing the Yellow Rose of Texas. The, the talented bird cost $10,000, but this son felt it was worth every penny. This would be the Father's Day gift that his dad would never forget. So a week after Father's Day, he called up his dad and he said, Dad, how, how did you like the bird? His father responded, it was delicious. Probably the most expensive meal he's ever eaten. Now, that's probably a fictitious story. But it illustrates kind of the opulence of our culture. We have so much sometimes that we can't see the value of all that God is, has given us. And, and see, that's what ingratitude is. Not being thankful for the many blessings we have. Francis Schaeffer once said this, The beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart. A a lack of thankfulness to God for his many, many blessings. The Bible says, in everything, give thanks. And see, thankfulness will actually protect you from many of the attacks of the enemy. There's a reason why over and over again, the Bible says to be thankful, to to give thanks. In your notes, thankfulness is a protection that will guard your heart from, from things that the enemy would try to sow into your life. Thankfulness will stop those things from being able to take root in your heart. And see, ingratitude is when we are not thankful for the blessings of God. We had a a men's breakfast yesterday, and I I, I shared the story of, I I used to work at Fleener's Grocery. How many have ever heard of that? Okay. There was two Fleener's stores that used to be in town. I started out as a box boy and worked up into management. But when I was at the Eastgate store, there was a gal that ran the deli. And uh, her name was Sharon. And I remember when I opened up the stores sometimes, before we actually opened the doors of the store, you could hear Sharon singing throughout the whole store. She was just singing. She was always this joyful type of person. In fact, even though the, the, the store had a break room, people flocked to the deli to take their break there because they just wanted to be around this person that was expressing joy all the time. There is just something about a thankful person that attracts other people. Those of us that know Jesus who have been born again and washed in the blood and given the gift of eternal life, why, would, why could we, how, how could we ever have an attitude of ingratitude? We have so much to be thankful for. We have the good news. We have the gospel. We're, we're going to live forever in God's presence. We have the favor of God on our lives, and we have the privilege of sharing this amazing good news with others around us. Here in Psalm 100, we're given an admonition to thank the Lord for who he is and what he's done. To thank him, uh, it, it, it even tells us how to thank him and why to thank him. So let's just take a look at this passage and then draw some practical applications that we can put into practice in our own lives. There are five verses, and so I want to just share them as five points. You guys doing okay? Number one, point number one, he is worthy of praise. 
Verse 1, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. The New Living Translation says, shout, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. The English Standard Version, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Don't just shout to the Lord, but make it a joyful shout. Lift up your voice with joy to the Lord. He is worthy of praise. Now, the word worship is associated with the word worth or worthy. When you worship God, you are declaring his worth to you. You are declaring his value to you. Now, I find it fascinating, the association between God and joy and rejoicing in the Bible. The Hebrew language has more words for joy and rejoicing than any other language. In the Old Testament, there are 13 Hebrew roots found in 27 different words that are used primarily for some aspect of joy or joyful participation in religious worship. Hebrew religious practices demonstrated God as the source of joy. In contrast to the rituals of of the other faiths of Eastern origin, Israelite worship was essentially a joyous celebration and a proclamation of God's goodness. An Israelite regarded the act of thanking God as the, the supreme joy of his life. Pure joy is joy in God as both its source and its object. But let me say that differently. God is both the source of our joy, but he is also the object of our joy. Psalm 16, verse 11, the psalmist said, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. We are to express our gratitude to the Lord in an audible in a public manner, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now, the word noise there means to break forth or to burst. It creates the picture of someone who is so full of joy that they are unable to contain themselves. If you are around them, it's going to get on you because they cannot keep it inside. You know, I've been to professional sporting events, as I know you have too, And I've seen the emotion people express when someone makes a good play, when when someone does something exciting in the game. Everyone gets excited. They get enthused. You know, enthusiasm is an interesting word. Do you know the history of the word enthuse? The word enthuse is, is derived from the Greek. The end part means inside, The thuz part is a variation of the word feel, or the Greek word for God. In your notes, it literally means one who is infused with or possessed by the Spirit of God. David danced before the Lord with all of his heart. He expressed his worship to God with great enthusiasm. Number two. Point number two, you guys still awake? Okay. He is worthy of service. I love this. Verse two, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Serve the Lord with gladness. We are not called to serve God out of religious duty. We are to serve him with great joy and gladness, to come before his presence with singing. When God was giving the law to Israel in Deuteronomy 28, he told them to serve the Lord with, with, with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of things, to be grateful for all the blessings of God. And there was, there's a danger expressed in that passage that if they didn't serve the Lord with gladness for his abundance in their lives, they would end up 
serving the enemy. And I've always marveled at that. See, ingratitude is not being thankful for the blessings of God. Ingratitude actually positions you. You're vulnerable to enemy attack. But being grateful protects you from his attack. Does that make sense? You know, oftentimes in, in, the, in the scriptures, we can see praise and worship as an actual weapon against the enemy. We all know the story in 2 Chronicles 20 when Jehoshaphat gets word that these three nations, three armies had joined together and were coming to destroy, to displace Israel from their land. And you know, these were three nations that they didn't wipe out, that they could have easily wiped out when they were taking possession of the land, but they didn't. And so now these nations are coming. And, and you know, it, it's, a, it's an interesting story because they're, they're all impacted. What did they do? They called a prayer meeting. And they began to cry out to God, and, and the prayer that was prayed is powerful. And, and one of the things that is said in that prayer is, Lord, our, our eyes are on you. It's like, apart from you, God, we are in big trouble here. But our eyes are on you. And the, the prophetic word came and God said, the battle's going to be mine. You know, and, and the story is, is so interesting, though, because the strategy that God gave them was to go out to, for the army to go out into battle, but to be led not by the Marines, but by the, the choir. The, the, the worshipers, the singers, these were people that were not carrying swords. These were people that did not have shields. They were the choir. They were singing praises to God, and as they did that, God destroyed their enemies without them having to lift a finger in battle. It took them three days to gather the plunder. And, and see, what ended up happening in that situation is three nations banded together, and they did something that armies don't usually do. They carried their wealth with them. And they came out to fight, and it, it took them days to gather the plunder. God was really just bringing the resources of those three kingdoms and giving it to them, but it didn't look like that at first. How could anyone who has the blessing of God in their life, how could they serve him devoid of gladness, of joy? And, you know, I think the only way you can do that is if you're focused on the wrong things. Maybe, maybe if someone is serving God kind of from a self-focused place, they're, they're serving the Lord or in the church only for what they can get in return. A person who is selfish is actually destined to a life of unhappiness. Why? Because physical things, earthly positions, or human accomplishments... They cannot meet spiritual needs. They cannot satisfy the void of the human spirit. It's interesting because you were designed and created by God to be a blessing. And what I mean by that is when you are not living for yourself, when you are living to be a blessing to others, Lord, how can I bless that person? God, give me an encouraging word to share with them. They look like they're kind of down. As you're living to give, that's actually where you will find the greatest sense of fulfillment and happiness. Because you were designed and created by God. Jesus modeled it when he was, walked this planet. He modeled this reality. The secret to living is giving. The secret to, to finding and knowing God's purpose and plan, the, the secret to fulfillment comes by just stepping in and being an instrument that God uses to release blessing into other people's lives. A person whose treasure 
is unearthly things, still has deep spiritual needs, but will never experience them being met as long as their focus is on the physical. So the more a person seeks happiness, the further away from it they are actually driven. It's like drinking salt water, trying to satisfy your thirst. You end up thirstier and thirstier. Is that a word? Others serve the Lord maybe with a, a grudging attitude. It, was, it would sound like this. Why, why do I have to do this for God? Haven't I done enough already? The, <laughs> these folks honestly think that they've paid their debt to God and God's lucky to have them. And, and somehow that maybe God owes them something they're blind to the blessings of God and how undeserving all of us are. I, I like what John, how John Maxwell puts it. He said, the instant we are born, we already owe someone for nine months of room and board. That we will probably, well, not even, that we will not be able to pay back. And when we are born again, we, we can never do enough to say thanks to God. We can never stop being thankful and rejoicing in what God has done in our lives. That if we serve God out of selfishness or grudgingly, we, we miss it. We are called to serve him with gladness. To serve the Lord with gladness. Could we just say those Five words, serve the Lord with gladness. One more time. Serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. Point number three, he alone is God. The verse, verse three says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. The, the Lord is God. He is the creator. We didn't make ourselves. We are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. We must recognize who he is, and he must come first place in our lives. Before our career, before our family, before our children, before our spouse, before our desires, before everything, as we put him first place, it actually positions us to, to be better at everything we do. When God is first place in my life, I'm a better husband. When God is first place in my life, everything, every, my, everything I'm involved with is, is, is made better because of my relationship with God. You know, he made us and he owns us. Now we sold ourselves out to sin, but he, he, he bought us back. He paid this great price, the blood of, of his precious son, Jesus Christ. We have no claim, no right to our own lives. They belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We are his representatives here on earth. And as, as his sheep, he leads us. He provides for us. He guides us. He comforts us. He protects us. He blesses and prospers us. He alone is the source of all of our blessing. An ancient Chinese proverb says, when you drink from the stream... It is well to remember the spring. When you drink from the stream of, of God's goodness, we must remember that he is the fount of every blessing. Point number four. He is worthy of our praise. Verse four. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Gates, courts, you know, the, the, 
this is describing the, the tabernacle of Moses. This is describing the, the process of approaching the Ark of the Covenant. You know, an Israelite could only experience the presence of God through the Ark of the Covenant. That's where God resided. The Emmanuel of the Old Testament was the Ark of the Covenant. God with them in a tangible, in a real way. But now, because of Jesus, he lives inside all of us that have placed our trust in him and experienced his forgiveness of sins and have stepped into eternal life. So for the, the, the New Testament Christian, we are always in the presence of God. We always have access to his presence. Our, our, our attitude should always be one of thanksgiving and praise. We, we are to be thankful and to bless his name. You know, when I first ran across that phrase, I, um, I didn't really know what to do with it, to bless his name or to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I, I was puzzled with that because normally the blessing is transferred from the greater to the lesser. Throughout the Old Testament, you find people seeking God's blessing. We all know the story of Isaac's son, Jacob, who wrestled with the angel and wouldn't let go of him until the, the angel blessed him. That, that was a blessing that would impact the rest of his life. It not only changed his name, but it, 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 it shifted the course of his life. Blessing was given from the greater to the lesser. It was normally a, a, a blessing for the future. But the ancient Hebrew understood one thing. This blessing for abundant or effective living, it could only come from God. So when the, when the blessing is being directed Toward God, the lesser blessing the greater. It, I struggled with that. That that <laughs> a person cannot be separated from their name. That's why we are to bless the name of the Lord. But when the Scripture tells us to bless the Lord, it is telling us. To, to, that we must profess, acknowledge, accredit, recognize with our words and deeds that God alone is the source of all true happiness and, and the blessings of life. When we do this, we have no choice but to give thanks. That, that's why it's impossible, I believe, to truly see who God is and all he has done for us and be void uh, of the attitude of gratitude. Gratitude displayed is the evidence of a proper understanding of who God is. Now, verse 5, or actually point 5 is this. God is good. Dios es bueno. Dios es tan bueno. Versículo 5. For the Lord is good... His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Here's why we are to give praise to God. Here we are told why we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, and to serve him with gladness. He is good. He is a good God. He is a good, good father. And his mercy to us is everlasting. His truth is without end. There is no one else about whom these things could be said. Now, allow me to make several simple suggestions that I, I think will help us to gain and maintain an attitude of gratitude in our lives. A. Take note. This means to live with awareness. You know, as Americans, 
as citizens of this nation, we are so often maybe tempted to just see nothing but our own reality. And it can create this kind of entitlement attitude. But those of you that have traveled in other countries, as I have, and I know a number of you have, you know the blessing and the favor that we live in. To be reminded of the great blessing that we have as a nation and as individuals, what, what we have received in our lives, it, it has been calculated that, and I think I have a couple slides for this, I, I may or may not, uh, if, if you were to reduce the world's population, 8 billion people, if you were to reduce that to 1,000 people, all inhabitants of the same city based on population, 46 of those 1,000 people would be Americans. And the other 954 would represent the rest of the world's population. These 46 Americans would receive half the income of the city. The other 954, the, the rest or the other half would be divided among them. The 46 Americans would have a, a life expectancy of 75 years, while the other 954 would have less than a 40-year life expectancy. The Americans would have 15 times as many possessions compared to everyone else. The Americans, the 46, would receive more than their daily food requirements. 800 wouldn't have what we would call a balanced meal. The dogs and cats of the American people today have a better diet than a lot of people around the world. We have a great, we have a lot to be thankful for. Take note. Become aware. Open your eyes to the world around you. It will shock you, but it will also cause you to be grateful and give you an opportunity for compassion towards others. B, take inventory of your blessings. How many of you remember the old song, Count Your Many Blessings? Okay. When, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Have you stopped to count your blessings lately? Have you stopped to just be thankful for the, for the relationships that God has given you? That might be family. They might be close friends. Have you, have you stopped to just communicate, not, not just to God, but maybe to them, how much you appreciate the relationship that you have with them? Many of us have a, a tendency to focus on what's wrong or what, what's not working right or what doesn't seem to be, which gives us this kind of a distorted picture of life. If we focus on the wrong things, we won't see the good things accurately. Take inventory of your blessings. Stop being distracted by all the other things. And lastly, C, take action. Turn your attitude of gratitude into an action of appreciation. Do something good for someone else. God has given you plenty, so share it. That's kind of what the offering today was about. Be being a blessing 
to our community. God didn't give, pour all the blessings that we have into our lives just for our benefit. He placed it into your hands to see what kind of a servant you will be. He gave you what, what, what you have so you can be his person and his ambassador. You can do with it what he would do with it if he was here. Jesus said when we act in kindness, blessing others, eat with, with even as much as a cup of cold water, it is, it is as though we have done it to him. And do it while you are here to see the good that it does. A, a rich man once asked his friend, why am I criticized for being miserly? Everyone knows I will leave everything to charity when I die. Well, said the friend, let me tell you about the pig who lamented to the cow one day about how unpopular he was. People are always talking about your gentleness and your kind eyes, said the pig. Sure, you give milk and cream, but I give more. I give bacon and ham. They even pickle my feet. Still, nobody likes me. Why is it? The cow thought for a moment and replied, maybe it's because I give while I'm still living. Most of us, whether we realize it or not, are sitting in a, in a financial place of abundance. And, and, and we can't take it with us. We are stewards of many things in our lives. We are stewards of our time, we are stewards of our thoughts. But one of the most interesting areas in the Bible is the whole area of money. It's like Jesus talked more about money and the stewardship of it than he talked about heaven or many other major topics. It's almost as if he, he was saying, here, I'm, I'm giving you a, uh, uh, I'm putting you a situation here where we can see how well you steward natural resources, and if you steward natural resources well, I'm going to give you spiritual resources. If you've been faithful in unrighteous mammon, I will commit to you the true riches. I just thought, think that's interesting. You know, I, I just remember as a young person trend, learning, learning about money and learning that, I, you know, I need to steward. I need to, <clears throat> I need to be careful that I don't spend money on things that I don't need and not have money for things I do need. I remember when my dad taught me about tithing, you know, and, and he taught me when I was just a kid and uh, I wasn't saved you know, and I was getting like a dollar allowance, and so it was like trying to remember to bring my 10 cents to church and put it in the envelope, and sometimes I remembered, sometimes I didn't. But I remember within a few months after getting saved, just stepping into this place of saying, okay, God, I'm trusting you for my eternity. I'm trusting in you to get me to heaven. If I can't trust you, with my finances, what's going on in my life? If I can't trust you in natural things. And I remember stepping into that arena of just honoring God. But see, the stewardship of money, it's not just that. that that's part of it. But it's also learning to live within your means. What? That sounds like budgeting. There is something about this, this thing about money that God has given us that as we, as we understand and as we steward faithfully those things that God opens up spiritual resources into our life that, that, are, that are amazing, that are amazing.
On April 30th, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln read his proclamation for a national day of fasting, humiliation, and prayer. By the way, this was instituted on the fourth Thursday of the month of November. And this is part of what it said. How many are familiar with what I'm going to read? Isn't it interesting, John? Isn't it powerful? This is what Abraham Lincoln said. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved the, the many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power, and no other nation has ever grown as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the, the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power to confess our national sins and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Wow, I wish a current president would do something like that. But how about you? Does your life presently demonstrate a sense of gratitude to God? When you see others, are you aware that, 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 that God has placed you right where you are right now for such a time as this? That, that God has done this amazing thing in each one of our lives. It's like... We owed this debt that we could never repay. We could never work enough jobs. We could never work hard enough to pay this debt. And God, in his mercy and his grace, said, debt wiped, made clean. And God gave us this, this relationship with him, not based on our ability to perform, not based on our goodness, but based really on Jesus' ability to perform and his goodness. And when you got saved, when you came to that place of acknowledging your need for God, there was a transfer that took place, a supernatural exchange that took place for he who knew no sin was made to be sin for you, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. And Jesus, who was sinless, pure, and holy, he took upon himself your sin. He paid the penalty for your sin, the consequences for your sin. And he gave you his righteousness. And the reward of that righteousness. To where you can boldly come before the throne of his grace. Anytime, with any need, with any situation. It's like the heavens have opened up to you. God's arms have opened up and you have his audience. Anytime you want it. The more I think of, of those things, I cannot help but be filled with joy and gladness and thankfulness to the God who loved me enough to send his son to pay that price. 
Worship team, please come. I, I want to call your attention to something that we have out in the, the foyer. Uh, my wife put these out last Sunday, and I, I, I thought, wow, that looks, that's interesting. And I, I didn't realize that I was the one that created this a few years ago. But it, it's basically using the acronym or creating an acronym out of the word bless. And, and let me just read it here. It says, bless three people this week in the natural and the spiritual, or maybe it's the lost person. Share an encouraging word. Help them do something. Begin your prayer by saying, who, who do you want me to bless this week? How can I bless them? The L stands for listen. Listen to the people you interact with. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen very intentionally to the people that you interact with because you, you'll, God will allow you to see needs. God will allow you to see what they need in their, in their life. And maybe it's a phys, physical need. Maybe it's just a word of encouragement that they need. Listen to the Holy Spirit as you interact with Him. Listen to the, to the Holy Spirit as you spend time with Him in the morning. Practice listening to the Holy Spirit throughout your whole day. The E stands for eat. How many of you were hoping that word would be in here? Eat with three people this week. Could be a natural family, could be spiritual family, could be a lost person. A meal moves a relationship from acquaintance to friendship. There is something powerful about food. When people gather and, and have a meal together, it's like their guard goes down and they just start talking. The first S stands for serve. Serve one hour a week somewhere in the community. You will always receive more than you could ever give. Begin to build bridges with people who are outside the kingdom. And the last S stands for story. Share, share your story. Share your testimony with someone this week. Last week, we talked about the power of your testimony. God has given you a, a, a story. You have a, a story of how God, how an encounter with God changed your life and, and, and brought freedom, brought liberty. Every one of us have a testimony. That is not meant to be something in the back of your mind. It's meant to be something that you actually share. We actually overcome the, the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Okay, let's worship. Could we stand together?
Father, thank you for saving me. Thank you for paying the price so that I could know you. I am so thankful for your grace. Open my eyes to see those around me who need your grace. Help me to be an instrument that you use to bless others. Help me to cultivate a thankful heart, a rejoicing heart. Let my thankfulness get all over everyone around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. I think I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come up and be available. If you need prayer for anything this morning, please feel free to come up and receive it. The benediction I want to give you is Revelation 7, 12. It says, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, saints. Have a great, great week.